Hi, good day, <coughs> students. Sorry about that. Um, so what I'm wanting to cover in this podcast is the work that you need to be doing in preparation for your proposals, which um, primarily you would be working on the methodology to add to your revised literature reviews and therefore building a proposal that includes the title, the intro, the literature review and the methodology. So all of those things um, will make up your proposal. It's really very crucial that you get the methodology right in the first uh, application because this will then go for ethical clearance um, very soon and that can make or break your projects. So I want to talk about methodology. Obviously we've spoken about literature reviews before so if you are thinking about what you need to be doing for a literature review you can go to that earlier podcast or the lecture notes on that. So the methodology as a, a tool within the, writ, the written project is going to be about three or four pages where you talk about what you're actually going to do in the work. And this is, this is an important space for you to articulate the actual project, who you're going to work with, what you're going to do with them, what you're going to ask them, how that's going to help you to understand your problem and... Um, and then how you're going to analyze that. So how are you going to make sense of what people tell you? And so all of this is important because as at the proposal stage, you are proposing, you are offering a suggestion, I guess, or a proposition for what you're going to do. And it's going to then be approved or not by an external body. So you need to put it together in a systematic way in order for a reader to know exactly what you're doing, for it to be very, very clear, and then to actually approve it. Now, my lecture slides, which I have circulated to the class, do speak to all the different steps of this. So I'm going to just touch on them very briefly. I don't want to go into substantial depth, but I do want to make sure that you are all able to listen to my explanation as well so that you have some guidance as you're writing these. So there are nine sections that you need to be including in your methodology and what's good about that although it's a lot it also guides what you then need to include. So you need to make sure that you cover all of these different areas um, because all of them are going to be marked and uh, if you miss one, then you don't get the marks for that. So it's really very, very crucial that you pay attention to all of the sections that are required and then actually produce those into the project. The first of those is what I, uh, we call design. Um, and design is uh, the essentially your intro into the methodology. It gives the reader a sense of where you've positioned yourself as a part, uh, as a researcher and where you're positioning the, the work. So you would talk about your approach, your paradigm and your methodology. All of these you can look up and get some uh, support from readings. So this is, this is a, a place for you to add some literature if you want to. But essentially you're saying whether your project is quantitative or qualitative, that's your approach. 
what paradigm you're using, if you're using a positivist, interpretivist, or critical social science paradigm, and then your methodology. Are you using surveys, questionnaires, interviews, focus groups, etc.? These are decisions that are based on how you have pulled the project together. So if, for example, you're using a theory that is critical, it would then make sense that you are using a critical paradigm and a method that fits within critical studies. So um, a visual method may suit something that's um, talking about about text or um, or representations, um, for example. So you need to think about how all the different parts of your project are connected. And this actually leads us into the next part, which is the aims and objectives, which speaks to the goal of the research, your research questions and your objectives. And so here you're going to narrate, first of all, what you're actually planning to do in your study. So you're going to use a certain theory to understand a certain problem and apply a certain method in in doing that with a particular group of people so you would you would state that that you want to understand your problem using the tools that you have available to you which includes your theory and your method but under aims and objectives you will also include your research questions um, this is a, a place for you to articulate what you are doing in your project and how you are going to answer the questions that you have as a researcher. These are not the questions your participants are going to answer. We will talk about those when we get to the attachments. For now, this is um, these are the questions that you as the researcher are going to be answering. So your main question would be, uh, a rephrasing of your title so it's your four keywords written as a question so if your your title is how does the socialization of young girls um, in Chesterville happen that would be your question right so so um, I apologize for rephrasing that wrong but let's say for example my title was uh, exploring the socialization of young girls in Chesterville. Um, my, my main question then becomes, what are the socializations of young girls in Chesterville? Okay, I hope that makes sense. My sub-questions then um, are the, the theoretical questions that allows me to look at that socialization. So what parts of socialization theory are key to me uh, being able to do that work? And so I would then need to, to look at things like maybe uh, roles and how roles are, are discussed or how development happens or, um, or education, right? So whatever parts of the theory that allow me to answer my main question become my sub-questions. You can only have a maximum of three sub-questions, um, but they must be uh, organized around your theory. So if I was looking at the biopsychosocial model as my theory, one of my questions would be on biology, one would be on psychology, and one would be on society. Because those are the three parts of my theory that allow me to talk about the biopsychosocial experiences of whatever I'm looking at. So you need to look at your theory and decide what are the, the up to three key ideas that you need to look at. 
Remember, maximum of three questions, but you can also, if you, um, if you think it's relevant, have only one or two sub-questions. In order to then include also your objectives, you just simply make your questions into statements. So once you've decided what your research questions are, you change them into objectives. So if, for example, you're asking about the biology um, of young girls in Chesterville as a, as a consequence of socialization, then, and you say what, what is the biology of young girls uh, as it's related to socialization in Chesterville? Your objective becomes to explore the biology of young girls related to socialization in Chesterville. Right, so you just take your question and make it into a statement. So you would do that for your main question as well as for your sub-questions. Your main question becomes your main objective. Your sub-questions become your sub-objectives. And you just replace the question words, the what, where, who, and how, with words like to investigate, to explore, to discover, to interrogate, to analyze. Those are the kinds of terms that you will use. The next part that, that needs to be in your proposal is the sample. Um, uh, I don't actually want to, to delve too far into sampling. Um, there are four kinds of sampling. You need to find out which one you're using. So are you using random sampling, purpose of sampling, convenience sampling, or snowball sampling? And in that way, you're, you're defining for your project who you're going to work with, how you're going to find them, and um, and why people have been chosen to participate in your project. And so be very, very clear about who will be involved, how many people, what kind of people, who they are, features of who they are, race, gender, etc. How will you identify them? How will you find them? How will you access them? So how will you invite them to participate? Will it be a poster? Will it be a, a phone call? Will it be an email? How will you ask them to participate? And then also... Who has to give gatekeeper permission? And then lastly, how will you be naming them? Will you be using pseudonyms or codes? And this speaks to ethics, which we will get to uh, um, as we proceed to talk about the proposal. So talk about your sampling, talk about your participants. The next two parts are parts that I've shared readings with you for. So you are and must go to the readings for this. The, you simply can't. Write these two sections without having done some literature um, reading. Um, and so I could talk about this endlessly and you still will probably not be able to, to include it uh, fully. And I do apologize that my phone is blowing up. Um, but you probably won't be able to, to cover them fully without having some sources to rely on. So go to the readings that I have sent you on these things. In terms of data collection, um, so this is the first of the two, data collection and data analysis. These are the two biggest parts of your methodology and must be treated with the, the most uh, seriousness. Um, what you're doing is you're going to talk about two things. One is what method you're using or whose method you're using if you, we're talking about data analysis. Very, very important. You're not just picking a kind of analysis but also a kind of author who is is proposing a, a set of steps for how to do analysis. Then you're going to talk about the practical parts of 
either the data collection or data analysis. So what are the practical parts? In terms of data collection, it's things like the time, venue, tape recording, etc. right? Uh, the list is on my slides. And in terms of data analysis, it's what are the steps? So what are the practical things that you're going to actually do in collecting your data or analyzing your data? And then lastly, you need to talk about the conceptual parts. So um, why is this method a good method, either a data collection method or a data analysis method, for understanding your problem and, uh, and why have you chosen it to include in your project over other approaches? So both of those two things, the practical and the conceptual parts, need to be there for both as well as a clarity of, of what approach you're using and, and why. Okay. I've obviously raced through both of those, data collection and data analysis. Um, my slides will obviously guide you on exactly what's required, but also um, just make sure that you um, do cover these really fully in your proposals. The next section is a section on reflexivity. This is compulsory for those doing critical projects, but I always encourage all students to do a reflexive section. And this is where you are looking at the subject position of the researcher. So what are the similarities and differences that you have as the researcher from your participants? So if, for example, you're a white researcher uh, researching black participants, what does that mean for the kind of things you can get to know about, about your problem? Um, does that impact in any way on the kind of data that you expect to get? And if so, how are you dealing with that? Um, and this is true not just for race, but for all kinds of social difference that, that may be there. So class, gender, sex, ability, age. Either because you are the same and you need to acknowledge that sameness because sometimes when you're the same as someone, you can take things for granted in a way that, that you wouldn't if you were an outsider. Or because you're, you're different and in which case you may uh, not develop the, the strong rapport or, or uh, be able to get the same kind of level of trust and um, uh, narration, so talking that, that may happen uh, when you're more similar. So you want to comment on both your difference and similarities to your participants um, and be fully disclosing of what that means and how you're going to deal with it. Then we move on to validity and rigor as well as ethics. So these are both ways to make sure that the quality of our work is there. So validity and rigor is there to, to ensure that the, the data isn't wildly fabricated and that, that there is some sort of trust in the kind of data that you've produced. And I've given the terms that you can include in your discussion here. So for quantitative, we talk about validity, which includes reliability, rec replicatability, etc. And for qualitative, we talk about rigor, in which case we talk about confirmability, transferability, dependability, credibility. You need to research on those and be able to talk about how you've addressed each of these in your projects. Then for ethics, again, a measure of quality to make sure that we haven't actually done anything harmful to our participants and we followed uh, a standard set of, of ethical guidelines that ensure that our work has um, 
yeah that it that it um has merit in terms of uh, it its ability to work with our participants in ways that is just and kind um so the standard ob- uh, obligatory ethics is do no harm anonymity and confidentiality right to withdraw informed consent if you weren't in class and you don't know what those are you can look those up those exist in methodology textbooks um but those are non-negotiable. Those are compulsory requirements of any research. So if your work at any point suggests that it's not following these guidelines, you, you won't get ethical clearance for your project, and then you can't proceed to collect data. The other part of ethics that, that um, some students may want to consider is critical ethics. Obviously, this is compulsory for those doing critical projects. But again, I, I encourage all students to, to do this. And that's to consider the co-construction of data through how language and power shapes the the dynamics between us, the way that issues within our context are experienced, as well as um, just the the practical uh, demands of, of treating our participants well when we live in a context of severe poverty and um, inequality. So what does it mean to care for our participants I've got you like your mother when you know you maybe yourself aren't able to uh, provide what what they actually need so you need to be thinking about these things and then lastly um, in terms of the content there's the budget and timeline these are somewhat straightforward you would include your costs and your anticipated dates um, as a way to show to whoever you're proposing your your project to that your project is uh, realistic in terms of both its time frame and budget. And then really lastly, before you get to the refreshments, I mean the, the refreshments, I wish there was refreshments, um, before you get to the references is the attachments. And this is where you include your interview uh, schedule so the, or focus group schedule. So these are the questions you're going to ask your participants. You also include your letter of information and consent, your gatekeeper permission letter, quotes for budgets, and any other relevant info. For your submission of the proposal um, ahead of the PG2, the only thing you need to, to be giving, and I'll talk about the PG2 later, so if you don't know what it is, it's okay. For now, for the proposal that you're going to be submitting as the first uh draft I guess of your methodology or first iteration of your methodology you only need to give in your interview or focus group schedule and this is the actual questions you're going to ask your participants either in the interview or in the focus group and um, these are questions that participants can answer your research questions are for you to answer and they're theoretical and your participants may not understand them So you can't ask them to answer your research questions, but you can ask them questions aligned with your research questions that are written in a user-friendly kind of way, so in language that people can understand, um, and in a a way that will elicit answers to the experience of your research problem without leading your participants to talk about what you think is the answer. So you want to ask questions broad general questions um, and allow for probing in order to get people to talk for 
a long time. I mean, one thing I didn't mention in terms of your sample and data collection is, is that if you're doing interviews, you're looking for four to six people for 30 minutes each interview. And if you're doing focus groups, it's one to two focus groups with eight to 12 people in each group. And those will be at about an hour. So you want a lot of talk. Um, so you want questions that are going to help you to get a lot of talk. And, and those kinds of questions are actually very open-ended questions where people are encouraged to tell long stories rather than just give yes or no answers. And then to, for you to rather than follow up with just more and more questions um, to actually then just probe. So can you tell me more about that? When that happened, what did that mean for you, etc. And those are, that's my suggestions in terms of developing interview schedules to have as few questions as possible, lots of probing areas. Um, but of course, you can, you can decide on what kind of uh, interview schedule or focus group schedule you would like and propose it. Um, obviously, you can get feedback from your supervisors, myself and Sino. Um, but uh, this is for you to draw up and attach at the end of your proposal. Okay, so that's the methodology. Those are the different things that need to go into methodology. It is extensive. It is There's a lot, and you need to be doing research on this, right? I haven't, for example, told you about why interviews are conceptually good, why Braun and Clark's thematic analysis is a nice one for analysis. You have to read up on those and argue for them, in the same way that you have to decide what sampling strategy you're going to use, what questions you're going to, to include. Um, these are part of you actually producing the research. So you need to be reading. You need to be reading the readings that I've sent you, but perhaps as well beyond that. Um, and, and putting together these different parts of your methodology so that when we get back from the VAC, you've got this ready for submission. So the submission date for this is the 28th of September. Um, and um, that will give us a chance to then work in the next week on our PG2s for ethical clearance. So it's really very crucial that you start working on it early and getting the, the, the material together because the, the train has well and truly left the station in terms of the research. We're, we're full steam ahead. And um, while I wish you all the best, I do want you to read and think hard as you are doing this because... Um, it's really very crucial that you do well in this so that you get your ethical clearance and can start collecting your data. Okay, so that's where I'm going to leave this. Um, I wish you, as I said, all the very best. Um, I hope that um, in the time that I'm away that you, you are working with Sino and that you have a little bit of a, a break. Um, but I will see you when I get back and I look forward to reading your proposals. Cheers.